0: Shall we pray? Sovereign Lord, we pray that as we come into this sanctuary, your presence will be with us, that your Holy Spirit will minister to each and every one of us. Help us to have a divine appointment with you this afternoon. You know us. You know our needs. You know our joys and our fears and our concerns. Prepare our hearts and our minds that we might meet you. And help us to be receptive to your word. In Jesus' name, amen. Good afternoon, friends. Yesterday, I began by talking about the Christian faith as essentially being a living relationship and not just a tradition. I suggested that Lent is an opportunity and a season for us to have a periodic audit about the state of our relationship with the living God. Today I would like to suggest that this relationship is going somewhere. There is a purpose in this relationship and the purpose of this relationship is in order that we might be transformed by God Through our relationship with Jesus Christ, that we might be fit for heaven. Yes, heaven. How many of you want to go to heaven? How many of you know anything about heaven? How many of you are preparing yourself for heaven? Good. Some of us need to think about heaven a lot more than others. The older we get, we stare our mortality in the face. Right at the very heart of this trajectory, this movement that the Bible offers us as a movement from the garden to the heavenly city of Jerusalem that's the movement, from a garden to the city of Jerusalem, we will experience the wilderness. And this has been the experience of God's people across the lands, having those moments of dryness, challenges, and difficulties. And it's precisely in those moments that we desperately need our North Pole, the Lord Jesus himself. Having traveled extensively around the world, I've discovered that the moment I talk about church, people's eyes tend to roll over and glaze. But whenever I talk about Jesus, Even with Muslims, Buddhists, Hindus, Sikhs, Jains, atheists, people give me a courteous hearing and often very interested as long as I focus on Jesus. May I suggest that those of us who are disciples or students of Jesus, we stay on the subject. And don't get distracted by everything else. All of that is inconsequential and, frankly, a distraction. I'd like us to look at John's Gospel, chapter 12, reading from verse 20. Now, amongst those who went up to worship at the feast at Jerusalem were some Greeks. So these came to Philip, who was from Bethsaida in Galilee, and asked him, Sir, we want to see Jesus. Philip went and told Andrew, and Andrew and Philip went and told Jesus. And Jesus answered them, The hour has come for the Son of Man to be glorified. Truly, truly, I say to you, unless a grain of wheat falls into the garden and dies, it remains alone. But if it dies, it bears much fruit. Whoever loves his life and loses it and whoever hates his life in this world will keep it for eternal life. If anyone serves me, he must follow me and where I am, there will my servant also be. If anyone serves me, the Father will honor them. Now is my soul troubled and what shall I say? Father, save me from this hour. But for this purpose I came to to this hour. Father, glorify your name. Then a voice came from heaven. I have glorified it, and I will glorify it again. The crowd that stood there heard it and said that it had thundered. Others said an angel had spoken. Jesus answered, This voice has come for your sake, not mine. Now is the judgment of this world. Now will the ruler of this world be cast out. And I, when I am lifted up from the earth, I will draw all to myself. He said this to show by what kind of death he was going to die. My brothers and sisters, isn't it curious that at the feast at Jerusalem, a Jewish feast, an odd religious festival, there were Greeks. What were the Greeks doing at this Jewish feast? The Greeks were known for their philosophical traditions, for their privileging of knowledge. They were particularly interested in the novel and the seminal. And they were curious about these odd, peculiar people, the Jews. But in the midst of their interest, they had come across the name of that amazing, enigmatic carpenter from Nazareth. Jesus of Nazareth. People were talking and raving about this man. Probably even more than the media channels do about Trump. People spoke about his amazing teachings, the profundity of his understanding, the simplicity with which he spoke, the relevance with which he was able to make connections. They spoke about the miraculous in his life magic baker, miracle maker, people were curious and wanted to get a piece of the action. And here we are told that Jesus came and was present, but the people wanted to meet him, people from the Greek tradition. And so we are told that they went and uh, they went to the disciples of Jesus. They went to Philip. I wonder why they went to Philip. Is it because Philip had a Greek sounding name? Philip went, took them to Andrew and the request was, Sir, we want to see Jesus. And that's exactly where people are today. People are sick and tired of institutional religion not impressed by churchgoers. There's a massive gap between practice and precept. A famous Indian president, a philosopher, Don at Oxford, had this to say about Christians. Christians are ordinary people making extraordinary claims. You see, the gap between practice and precept is a stumbling block to the world. It's not simply about saying I believe. It's not about orthodoxy and dogma and doctrine. It's about orthopraxis. If you know, you believe, then your behavior is altered by what you believe and you translate it into the local idiom. We are called to be authentic, consistent, and relevant wherever we are. And this is the whole point of the incarnation, that the word of God became truly human and lived amongst us. That's the critical nature of Christian witness, that it's got to be located where we are so when you talk about your wonderful church, you talk about your wonderful dean, and you talk about your wonderful bishop, and you talk about your wonderful Christian friends, it doesn't carry much weight, frankly. We want to see Jesus. That's where everybody's at. We are so fed up of going through the rituals, the motions, the predictable cycles and the calendar of the church. But does it cut the mustard? Do you know why? Because people are yearning, yearning for something better, something that's real, something that's authentic. And the Christians are good news bearers and we talk about heaven. I'm heaven bound. I don't know about you lot, but I am heaven bound. Ask yourself the question, where are you bound? My father was an airline pilot, he was a fighter pilot before that, and he has regaled his families with all kinds of wonderful stories. Here's one for you today. The passengers on the Strauss Atlantic flight were about an hour and a half into the flight when the intercom came on, and this is what they heard. Good afternoon ladies and gentlemen, this is your captain speaking. It's a beautiful day. I have some good news and some bad news. The good news is that we are flying at an altitude of 35,000 feet at 645 nautical miles per hour. We have a steady tailwind and we're making excellent progress. The bad news is the navigational system is malfunctioning and I don't know where we're going. Dear brothers and sisters, how many of you are making excellent progress without the foggiest clue as to where you're headed for? May I suggest that you reorient your lives, invite Jesus to be your compass, and to give you that moral direction towards heaven. If you are serious about heaven, then find out more about heaven. Let me give you some facts. From the book of Revelations, chapter 7, verse 9 to 12. This is what the Apostle John, sitting in the island of Patmos, records about the heavenly Jerusalem. He says, after this, I looked up and behold, a great multitude that no one could number, from every nation, from all tribes, from all peoples and languages, standing before the throne and before the Lamb, clothed in white robes with palm branches in their hands. Number one, he got a rude shock. Heaven is highly populated. Number one, heaven is highly populated. Number two, heaven is crawling with foreigners. Did you did you get it? Heaven is crawling with immigrants. They come from every nation, every language, every tribe. If you don't like foreigners, you're going to have a major problem in heaven. You might not get there. I'm being serious. So, as a church, we need to say that the church of Jesus Christ is multi ethnic, multilingual, multicultural. Get it? We are not a monochrome community. On this Lenten season, we need to reappraise our identity in Christ, that the welcome and hospitality of Jesus will not be violated by xenophobes. This is the fact. It's full of foreigners from every nation, every language, every race, every tribe. But it's not multi-religious. How do I know that? They were worshiping the Lord, crying out with a loud voice, salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. Did you get it? What do they say? We didn't get here because of our good deeds. We didn't get here because we went to church regularly. We didn't get here because we sang in the choir. We didn't get here because we were on the vestry. We got here because of the sovereign grace of God. It's got nothing to do with me. It's all about God. Can you say amen to that? If you don't, you're in serious trouble because you're not going to make it on your own. You're not going to make it on your own, my brothers and sisters. You need God in your life. Am I clear? But it's not any old God. Salvation belongs to God and to the Lamb upon the throne. Hallelujah. Who is this Lamb of God? Anyone? response. His name is Jesus. Can I hear that? His name is Jesus. Learn to confess it. The lack of this confession in the church is the problems of the confusion in our land. Churches are far too timid and lack the confidence that Jesus is the way, the hope of the world. Now, if heaven is how I described it from scriptures, then the local church has to be a glimpse of heaven in the local community. So the church cannot be a monochrome, it's got to be multi ethnic, multilingual, multicultural, but we are focused on Jesus. We proclaim that Jesus is Lord. How are we doing? Are you comfortable with that? I would love to hear many more sermons on heaven. I would like more people to be caught up with the hope of heaven. I would like more people to be transformed by Jesus Christ because the Apostle Paul says, If anyone is in Christ, Jesus, he or she is a new creation, a transformed individual by the power of the gospel of Jesus Christ. That same power that rose Jesus from the dead. It's new life in Christ Jesus. And so my brothers and sisters, no wonder the Greeks wanted to see Jesus. They wanted to see Jesus and meet him. This is what Jesus says, if any one of you are weak and heavy laden, you come to me. He invites each and every one of us when he says, follow me. Not the church, not the bishops, not the clerics. Often they're the problem. You follow me. Establish a relationship with me. Connect direct with me. I don't need intermediaries, you focus on me. This is the why the writer of Hebrews in Hebrews chapter 12 has this to say, fix your eyes on Jesus, the author and pioneer of our faith. And then he has this to say, get rid of the sin that so easily entangles us. You know, most of us have the most boring sin lives. Did you hear what I said? We are boring people. Even our sins are so boring. I wish we were a little more creative in our sin lives. We are creatures of habit. This is why the Apostle Paul has this to say. Why is it I do the things that I don't want to do and I never do the things that I know I should do? We're into the sin trap. We're entangled by habitual sin. And this is what Jesus offers us. He offers us a breakthrough. If any man or woman confesses their sins, God is faithful to forgive them, to cleanse them, and to make them righteous. Re-establish the relationship in order that we might live lives that are hopeful, that have purpose, that have clarity. And our navigational system is not malfunctioning, but in fact, it is completely locked on to the heavenward trail. May God bless us and encourage us this day. Remember, you need God desperately. You don't need the church so much. You need God. Jesus never told anyone to go to church. But what Jesus told the church was to go into the world, that we might be the salt and the light of the world. We are gospel bearers, and we are called to manage the influence of Christ in the world. May God give you the grace and us the wisdom to live an authentic, relevant life for the glory of God and for the benefit of others. Archbishop William Temple had this to say, the Church of Jesus Christ is the only association constituted for the sake of its non-members. May God give us the grace to be such a people. Amen.